the Lord, everybody. And needed that high southern gospel tenor. Maybe we should sing it again and make the men sing. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. If you have your Bibles, uh, pull them close. And uh, I know it's a little unusual the way we're going to do this today. We're going all the way back about, about four weeks, and we're picking up a series that I began really a theme that I began uh, before we started the holiness series called Inside Out. And we're just going to go back and we're going to continue on like nothing ever interrupted it. And uh, the series that we're looking at today, I've called it simply Wolves, Goats, and Sheep. Wolves, Goats, and Sheep. And of course, uh, if you're familiar with your Bible at all, you know that our goal is to be sheep. Amen. We want to be sheep, and we want to hear the great shepherd's voice. That's our goal as children of God. And so scripture uses these three um, animals as illustrations of, of different personalities, really, or different um, ways that people respond to God and interact with God and the church and with one another and with authority. Uh, in fact, really, that's the, uh, the theme of these, these three different uh, types of people is how they interact with authority, how they relate to authority, spiritual authority in particular, and, uh, and how uh, that affects them and the people around them. And so uh, we're still focused on wolves. We only got through a little bit. Scripture has a lot to say about wolves that, uh, that put on sheep's clothing, and then they infiltrate the church and uh, infiltrate uh, families and friends, and uh, they wreak havoc everywhere they go. And so we're going to pick up that theme. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 10, if you have your Bible. Matthew chapter 10, it will be on the screen. And we're going to look at verses 16 through 18, and then we'll skip down to verse 21 and go through verse 22. And this is Jesus speaking, uh, one, of, one of his very well-known uh, comments about about wolves, and he's speaking directly to his disciples, and so he's speaking to us as well. How many consider yourself to be a disciple of Christ? You're a disciple of the Lord. In fact, it's interesting in, in Scripture, when, when you study the book of Acts, um, everyone was called a disciple. If you were a follower of, of the teachings of Christ, uh, if you were a, a follower of the uh, the preaching and teaching of the apostles, then, then you were just a disciple. That's really what you were. It wasn't until later in the church that people became known as Christians. In fact, just to throw this out there, uh, the only reason that we refer to ourselves as Pentecostal or apostolic is because so many wolves infiltrated Christianity or discipleship and so much false teaching was introduced into the world. You know, a lot of people uh, are confused by the fact that there are so many different denominations. There's so many different views of the Bible and of Christianity. And, and uh, that really shouldn't surprise anybody because Jesus warned that that was going to happen over and over again. And so wolves came in. Uh, they began to divide the church, divide through theology. 
divide through uh, lies and manipulation and distortion and all of these things, splintered the church in thousands of different directions. And uh, we see the results of that 2,000 years later, uh, splintered doctrine, splintered theology. All of that is the result of wolves that infiltrated the church and still do, just like Jesus said. And so oftentimes people ask me, you know, what, what are you? What is your faith? And of course, our typical response in 2019 is to say I'm, I'm Pentecostal or I'm apostolic. And the only reason we have to do that is because there is so much confusion about the Bible because of wolves. But in reality, uh, we shouldn't even have to say that we're Pentecostal. We should be able to just say we're Christians. That's what they were known as in the Bible. But the only reason we say that we're Pentecostal is because we're trying to distinguish ourselves from splinters that have taken place because of wolves. In the Bible, everyone was Pentecostal. Everyone was apostolic. They didn't have to tell people what they were. If you said you're a Christian, that meant you spoke in other tongues. If you said you were a Christian, that meant you were baptized in Jesus' name. If you said you were a Christian, that meant that you lived a lifestyle of separation and holiness unto God. Uh, everybody knew that, but now we have to distinguish ourselves because of the wolves. And so Jesus is prophesying this. Uh, to his closest disciples, and therefore he's also prophesying this down through the ages to you and I. He said, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Look at your neighbor and say, Don't be naive. Don't be naive. Uh, Jesus is very clear. Notice all of these uh, these illustrations, these animal illustrations that Scripture uses. So uh, you're, to be, you're to be very wise, and in addition to your wisdom, you're also not to be violent. Look at your neighbor and say, don't fight with people. Don't fuss with people. Jesus didn't say that when you spot a wolf, you get the pitchfork out and you go and get the sword out. Uh, that's, not, that's not what Jesus was advocating, but you do need to be able to spot a wolf. You need to be able to differentiate between a wolf and a goat and a sheep. And so Jesus said, you're going to have to have wisdom to do this, but you're also going to have to be, uh, use restraint. You're going to be angry when you see a wolf. How many have ever encountered a wolf in sheep's clothing before? Don't look at anybody, just raise your hand. If you've encountered a wolf in sheep's clothing... Uh, then you know that it can, it can really make you angry. It can make you angry. It can make you angry when someone is doing evil things in the name of the Lord. Have you ever known someone who did wicked things in the name of Jesus? There's almost nothing more disgusting in the world than someone who does wicked things, evil things, unkind things in the name of the Lord or sinful things in the name of the Lord. And so Jesus was warning, you're going to have to guard your heart because when you're wise, you're going to spot a lot of wolves. And when you spot these wolves, you're going to have to make sure that, that you don't kick into to fight mode because that's our human nature. My, my human nature when I spot a wolf in sheep's clothing is, uh, can I just be honest with you? Sometimes I just want to go and lay hands on them suddenly. 
There's been times, and I'm just going to be very real. There's been times where I've wanted to physically expel people from the church house. Is that okay to say? Because when you spot someone who is literally doing evil in the house of the Lord, and they are doing it intentionally, and they are doing it manipulatively, and they are doing it deceptively, and they are trying to pull other people into it through lies, I'm just going to tell you, you don't feel like being harmless as a dove when you see that. It's hard, but Jesus warned that we have to guard our hearts. And he said, verse 17, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils. So they're going to try to hurt you. They're going to try to destroy your reputation. Wolves will also often try to destroy the reputation of spiritual authority. It's one of the first ways you can recognize a wolf as they will try to destroy uh, through the legal process Uh, the reputation of spiritual authority. They try to demean authority. They'll deliver you up to councils. They'll lie about you, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And so they'll do this in religious settings as well. They're not afraid to uh, to be confrontational in religious settings, and they do this often with the guise of religiosity. So they'll They'll be confrontational to authority uh, under the guise of, of being religious. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death. Did everybody read that? The brother shall deliver up the brother to death. Now, I know this is Jesus is speaking, of course, of physical blood brothers, relation, relational brothers, but I think we can also look at this through the lens of brothers in the Lord who will harm one another. I often am amazed when, when people backslide or leave church because someone in the church did something unkind to them or hurt them in some way. Uh, of course, I'm sympathetic to it. I grew up in church. I can't even count the number of people in church who have harmed me. Everybody okay? Breathe deep. We're just going to be real. I don't know how to be pretend when I teach or preach. It's just I just have to be real. I have been more harmed by people in church than I have ever been by people outside of church. Hello? I have. I could I could uh, if, if I dwelt on it, I could go back and I could I could I could think of a long list of wolves who have hurt me over the years. And sometimes, almost to the point of death, and when I say that, I mean literally to the point where, uh, not that they were necessarily, well, yes, necessarily have had bullets fly over my head and knives pulled, and uh, I've had physical threats on my life, and and of course, certainly um, uh, threats in, in other ways and attacks in many other ways. You know, you can really harm someone without ever using physical violence. You understand that, right? In fact, sometimes the most painful attacks from wolves in your life are not going to be physical. It's going to be spiritual or emotional. It's going to hurt. And emotional pain and spiritual pain is more agonizing than physical pain could ever be. Some of you know what I'm talking about, but uh, I, there have been many times in my life where I would rather be shot than go through the physical or, or the emotional pain that I was going through. 
And, uh, and so wolves will, will often attack a brother. And, and it's shocking when that happens. Uh, it hurts when a brother stabs you in the back. It hurts when, uh, when your sister, who you trusted, who you worshiped with, you prayed with, you sacrificed with, it hurts when you realize this person is not what I thought they were. Have you ever had that realization? And often it comes very suddenly. It's, it's uh, you, you know, they, they say you find out who your friends are in an emergency. And, and you'll be in an emergency and, and you're in need and you're vulnerable. Uh, wolves will often wait until you're vulnerable and that's when they, they come in. They're very friendly and kind and helpful when, when uh, you have something to offer them. But when you're weak, that's often when they'll pounce and you'll realize this person is not what I thought they were. And it hurts deeply. And, uh, but the response to that should never be that I'm going to turn my back on God. God's not the wolf. God's not the one who turned his back on you. God's not the one who betrayed you. In fact, God is the one who robed himself in flesh, stepped into this world and gave himself as a sacrifice for the propitiation of your sins. It was Jesus who stretched out his arms and let him drive the nails in his hands. He died for you. He loves you. And he's never let you down. Can anyone testify with me today that Jesus has never let us down? He's never forsaken us. He has never left us in our time of trouble, in our time of need. When we are weak, he is strong. In our weakness, we're made perfect by his strength. And, and it is not the right response. And so I, I encourage you, if you, want to be, if you want to guard yourself from one of the most common reasons that people backslide... One of the most common reasons people backslide is because they encounter a wolf, they're hurt by a wolf, and then they turn around and they take that out on God, or they take it out on good saints or a good church. I don't care what church you go to, you can step into any church in the world, and there are at least two or three wolves in that church. And the bigger the church, the more wolves there are. It's just that in smaller churches, they're often a, a little bit more visible. It's a little harder for them to hide. But in bigger churches, there, there's, there's usually quite a few wolves out there. And you, if you're going to be a spiritually mature Christian who has paid attention to what Jesus himself warned, you're going to know that's the case. But that doesn't take away from the fact that God is good, that God has blessed me. And when you encounter a wolf, you, you call it what it is. You say, okay, this is a wolf. Has nothing. God, Jesus warned me. He loved me enough to warn me they're going to be there. And so I'm going to protect myself from that. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. So Jesus said, beware. Because they're going to deliver you up to councils. They're going to scourge you in the synagogues. You're going to be brought before governors. Brother shall deliver up brother to death. And the father, the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated by all men for my name's sake. But he, now aren't you glad for this last line? But he that what? Endureth to the end shall be saved. Aren't you thankful that Jesus threw that in? Because, uh, you know, there's a lot of discouraging things there. You know, a lot of times we like to pay attention to the, 
the really upbeat things that Jesus said. Jesus said a lot of encouraging things, but he was also very honest. Aren't you glad that God loved us enough to tell us the truth about what it would take to follow him? He loved us enough to warn us. There's going to be a lot of difficulty, but if you'll endure to the end, you shall be saved. So a wolf's goal is to cause you to stop enduring. If you let a wolf push you out of church or push you out of right relationship with God, then you have allowed the wolf to win. The way you defeat a wolf, you don't even have to fight. All you have to do is just endure to the end. If you'll hold your peace and let the Lord fight your battles, God will take care of the wolves. All you've got to do is stand and just stand and endure to the end. And then you will have the final victory in Christ Jesus. So The war against wolves isn't with violence, but we're not to be naive, foolish, or unwise. Wolves come from every direction, including friends and family, including from the church. And you have to have wisdom and awareness that that is the case. And you need to guard your heart. That doesn't mean you walk around suspicious or unkind or with a chip on your shoulder. It doesn't mean you walk around looking at everybody sideways or, or, you know, uh, trying to be mean-spirited, but it does mean you have to be wise. You have to be wise. Wisdom is constantly paying attention and constantly being watchful. And hatred should not deter us from godliness. Everyone said godliness. Endurance wins against wolves. Let me just give you a little, little personal observation here. Um, when you uncover or unmask a wolf when you peel back that exterior of sheepskin everybody know what i'm talking about you you know you get close enough and all of a sudden you realize i'm going to look around and make sure i don't <laughs> i don't know if you've ever known anyone who had a toupee i probably need one about now I hope no one has a toupee today. If you do, I don't know it, okay? But, you know, a toupee can look, can look really, uh, really, really real up close. And then you get farther, when you, farther away, and then you get up close, and you can tell. And often it's that way with a wolf. From a distance, they seem very godly. And then you get close, and you see an issue. And so when you unmask a wolf, they will grow very angry with you. Grow very angry with you. And when they lose their influence, wolves always want to have influence, whether they're uh, in the pew or on the platform, wherever they are, a wolf wants to have influence. I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. When Jesus says wolves in sheep clothing, we often extrapolate from that and preach that the wolf uh, is uh, a pastor or a preacher or a prophet. Uh, that is a leader, uh, a recognized leader in the church, an official leader in the church. And of course, that can be true. But when Jesus refers to them as sheep, sheep always refer to saints in the church or people who are under a shepherd. And so what this means is that in my mind, that oftentimes wolves are people who are under a shepherd but they fancy themselves as a leader. They fancy themselves as a preacher, a prophet, or, or a pseudo-pastor. I sometimes call them like a Monday morning 
quarterback pastor. You know what I'm talking about? They know everything the pastor ought to do, even though they've never pastored kind of a person. It's amazing how people know everything that ought to be done who have never done it. And so these are often people who come in and they slip in and they look, they look the part and they want to gain a following. They want to have influence over your life. And when you realize what they are and you start to reject their influence, they will grow very bitter and angry towards you. And that's often when they will move their attack from someone else and they'll turn their fangs on you. That's how wolves operate. And so you need to be aware of that. And so oftentimes when you start standing up for righteousness or standing up for something right, uh, you'll realize that a wolf will come against you. I'm going to tell you what you need to do. You just need to plead the blood of Jesus. I'm going to say that again. Just plead the blood of Jesus. You just do the right thing. I'm telling you, God will fight your battle. You just stand and say, Lord, I'm going to hand this over to you. I'm going to let you deal with this guy. And God will begin to deal with that wolf. You don't have to use violence. You don't even have to get angry. Yes, it's hurtful sometimes, and they can do temporary damage, but they cannot destroy you as long as you have the whole armor of God on. God will vindicate you. All right, next slide, and we're going to look at John 10, 11 through 13. I love this passage of scripture. This is Jesus again, and we'll be looking at this later on too when we talk about sheep. But Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Aren't you glad he did? Aren't you glad he gave his life? But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep. And fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth, because he is an hireling, and careth not for the sheep. Now, there's a lot of things we could unpack there. But what I want to focus on is that wolves come to catch and scatter the sheep. Either way, they win. Either way, they win. So what that means is a wolf doesn't have to catch you and destroy you. If a wolf can scatter you and create disunity and push you out of the church and push you out of the will of God and push you out of the plan of God, then a wolf has accomplished his goal. He doesn't have to completely destroy you. If he can just get you away from the other sheep, if he can get you away from the, sh- the under shepherd, if he can get you away from safety, then he has done his job. And so One of the best ways you can resist a wolf is refuse to run, refuse to scatter because of a wolf. Just say, hey, we're going to stand together where two or three are gathered together in his name. There will he be in the midst of them. If two or three will agree as touching anything, it's going to be bound on earth as it's bound in heaven. It's going to be loosed on earth as it's loosed in heaven. Make up your mind that we are going to stay together. Under the rod of the good shepherd. And the good shepherd, when you stay together, the good shepherd will reach out that staff that has corrected you at times. How many enjoy it when that rod of the shepherd comes out and corrects you? That's not real fun, is it? But that same rod of correction 
that you have remained under with the shepherd is going to turn into a mighty weapon against a wolf. And the wolf's going to come in and the shepherd will take that rod and he will begin to do combat with the wolf. And then you won't even have to fight because the shepherd's going to start dealing with things on your behalf. How many are thankful that the shepherd steps in his rod and his staff? It comforts me. That's why David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. That's a conundrum because the rod is a rod of correction. When a shepherd uses a rod it, uh, and the sheep is getting out of line, they feel that rod and it, it, it's uncomfortable. It pulls them back. It, it keeps them from going where they want to go sometimes. And so to say that it comforts you is an unusual thing for a sheep to say. But when you understand that the rod kept you in a place of safety, and when the wolf came in, that same rod that pulled you back when you wanted to run gets a hold of that wolf and says, Wolf, you have no business here. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Amen. No weapons going to prosper when you are underneath the protection of the shepherd. And so don't allow wolves to scatter you. That's their goal. If they can just get you running, if they can just get you out of the rod and, and, and from beneath the comfort of the shepherd, then you will be in a vulnerable place. And they know that. And so they don't have to catch you if they can just get you running. All right, I want to take you to, I want to take you to the last slide. Uh, actually, let's go back. I think I, I skipped one. Let me go to uh, Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20 and verse 27 says this. For I have not shrunk from declaring unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that for the space of three years I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Everyone said sanctified. I just want to pause and remind you that sanctification and holiness are vital to the Christian faith. That would be a good place to say amen. Now let me give you a few points here. True prophets never shrink from teaching hard truths with love and tears. True shepherds. True, true prophets, true pastors, true, true preachers will not shy away from speaking the truth in love, even when that truth is uncomfortable. And so if you're always comfortable, if you're always hearing what makes you feel good, uh, then you are probably not sitting in an environment where true prophecy and true preaching is taking place. Now, I don't believe in being purposely unkind. I don't believe in shock preaching. I don't believe in uh, the kind of preaching where you're just purposely trying to hurt people and step on toes. I think that's ugly and ungodly. 
But I do believe that when you speak the truth, especially when the world grows further and further away from righteousness, that truth will seem unkind, even though it's not. You're just speaking the truth. And so true prophets have to do this. And also we find from this passage that wolves will attack shepherds and sheep. Even in the Bible days, shepherds became wolves and sheep became goats because of the influence of wolves. This problem is not a modern church problem. This problem goes all the way back to the first church and the book of Acts. And so we shouldn't be surprised. You know, I see Christians who are discouraged when they see shepherds become wolves and they see sheep become goats and they think uh, we're losing the battle or we're somehow uh, growing weaker than we ever have been as a church. Can I tell you, that's not the case. Jesus warned that this was going to happen. It happened in the days of Peter. I'm talking in the days when Peter would just walk through a town and his shadow would cross over sick people and sick people would rise up out of their sick bed and be healed. That, that's the kind of day that Peter lived in. And yet he still had to deal with wolves and goats. The church has always had to fight this battle. Jesus told, me, told us that we would. And so we shouldn't let it discourage us. We should just know it's going to happen and keep on living for God and having revival and believing we have the victory and knowing that we have determined that we are going to serve God regardless of what anybody else does. Can I tell you the way you're going to be saved? Let me tell you how you're going to be saved. You're going to make up your mind that it doesn't matter what anybody else does. You are going to serve the Lord. It doesn't matter what mama does. It doesn't matter what daddy does. It doesn't even matter what your kids do. You are going to serve the Lord. And you've got to have what the old timers used to say, a made up mind. My mind is made up. I'm going to serve the Lord. I don't care who falls by the wayside. I don't care who changes their mind. I don't care who gets some newfangled revelation that contradicts the word of God. I'm going to serve the Lord. I don't care what the world does. I don't care what my neighbor does. I'm going to love them and pray for them and believe God for them. But I am going to serve the Lord in sickness and in health. No matter what happens, for richer or poorer, I'm going to serve the Lord. Amen. I'm going to serve the Lord. All right, I'm going to take you to the last slide. We skipped one. And this, uh, I want to give you just a few quick tips on how to spot a wolf in sheep's clothing. How to spot a wolf in sheep's clothing. And we've covered a few of these, but I'm going to just condense them here. Number one, uh, don't be naive. Be guarded and watchful. You have to know people by their fruit. Everyone said their fruit. You know, I hope that you understand this, but uh, you, you, can't, you, you can't go through life just listening to what people say. You have to observe their life, what fruit is coming out of their life. You know, a lot of people can say very nice-sounding religious spiritual things, but what does their life say? What does their life say? What fruit is being produced in their life? What, what do their actions produce? So don't just pay attention to people's words. Pay attention to the fruit that's produced in their life. Number two, know the real and you'll know the fake. Know the real and you'll know the fake. If you are close to God, if you're connected into the spirit and you're connected into the word of God and you're connected into the things of God, Know those things. Taste and see 
that the Lord, he is good. When you know the real, a fake is easy to spot. In the FBI, when, uh, you know, they have counterfeit divisions in the FBI for money. And uh, what they do in their, in their training for the counterfeit division is uh, they spend a lot of time handling real money. Dollar bills, $20 bills, $100 bills. They handle it. They even taste it. I know that sounds strange, but they really do. Look it up. They taste it. They touch it. They look at it. And they, they spend hours and hours and hours getting the feel of real money. And so when they come into contact with a forgery, uh, the, it doesn't take them more than a few seconds. All they have to do is look at it, touch it, and they know that's not real. Why? Because they are comfortable with the real thing. That's what people who spot forgeries and art, that's how they, that's how they learn. They, they don't learn studying fakes. They learn studying real, genuine pieces of art. They get comfortable with it. They know what it looks like. They know what it feels like. They, they know the brush strokes. And so when they see a forgery or a fake, it's not hard for them to tell the difference because they know the real thing. And by the way, let me just tell you some of you who are discouraged when you see fakes and hypocrites and wolves and all of those things. Whenever you see something fake, that just means there's a real thing out there. And so if you come into contact with a counterfeit dollar bill, the only reason that counterfeit dollar bill can do any damage is because there are real dollar bills out there. The only reason a counterfeit $100 bill can do damage is because there are real $100 bills out there. And so when you see a counterfeit or a hypocrite, you ought to say, thank the Lord. That means they're a fake, but there's some real people out there who love the Lord and serve God with all of their hearts. Be comfortable with the real and the fake won't bother you. The only time fake bothers you is when you're not really familiar with the real. When you're a little bit uncomfortable with the real, it's hard for you to distinguish because you haven't connected in like you should to the real. Get close to God. Get close to the house of God. Get connected to genuine people of God. Number three, know God's word, and you'll know when it's being twisted and manipulated. You can't be manipulated with scripture if you know the scripture for yourself. Amen? Number four, pray for the gift of discernment and the leading of the spirit. You should pray for the gift of discernment. I've said this repeatedly from behind this pulpit. In the last days, if there are any gifts that you should be praying for, the gift of discernment should be at the top of your list. As the spirit of deception and the Antichrist sweeps into the world, it's more and more important that you are able to discern the difference between a lie and truth. Between a wolf and a sheep. You need to be able to know the difference. And the Holy Ghost will guide you in that. You need to be led of the Spirit. Number five, surround yourself with other believers you know and you trust. And let me just pause here and say, you need to be careful who you allow to speak into your life. Surround yourself with people. And let me say this very kindly and carefully. Surround yourself with people who have a proven track record of faithfulness and godliness. You know, someone might be a, a great person or seem like a great person, and, and they've been uh, serving God for, for, you know, a few days, a few years, whatever, and that's good, and you, can, and you can have a relationship with that person, 
But you need to surround yourself with people who influence you, who have a long track record of faithfulness in serving the Lord. Faithfulness in serving the Lord. A track record. Surround yourself with those people. Those people can speak into your life. But if someone has a long history of unfaithfulness, that person should not be speaking into your life. Amen? Now, number six takes it to the next level. You should have a, a, a surrounding of people who are saints that, that can speak into your life that you trust, but that should never, ever replace your accountability and your closeness to your pastor and pastoral authority. Everybody okay? This is my last point. I'm closing with this. You know, I've seen a lot of people who were destroyed by wolves who the only reason they were destroyed by a wolf is because they would not listen to the warnings of their pastor. Their shepherd knew it was a wolf. Their shepherd could see it from a long way off and tried to tell him, you need to be careful. That's a wolf over there. They didn't say it like that, obviously. But they would not listen to the shepherd. You know, the shepherd can see things that sheep can't see. And so the shepherd sees this wolf moving among the saints. And he sees a saint getting a little too comfortable with a wolf and tries to warn. And time after time, I've seen saints who they listened, but it just went one in ear and out the other. And then their spiritual life, their relationship with God, their strength, their authority is destroyed because they would not heed the warning of their God-given shepherd. And sometimes they started listening to saints instead of the shepherd. Now, am I saying that you shouldn't have uh, saints around you that can speak into your life? I believe that you should. That was point number five. But when your shepherd says something that contradicts what the saints are saying around you, you should listen to the shepherd. Because the shepherd can see things that even well-meaning saints can't always see. Everybody okay? The shepherd has a vantage point. The Bible says he's like a watchman on the wall. That means he, he, the Lord has given him a, a spiritual vantage point where he can see things and he'll give warnings. And sometimes, how many know that a warning doesn't always make sense? When, when Noah started trying to tell people it was going to rain, that sounded crazy. But he had a spiritual vantage point that the world didn't have. And God gives that to his men, to his, to his preachers and pastors and prophets and teachers. He'll give them that spiritual vantage point. And you have to be willing to listen. And sometimes it doesn't make sense when the warning comes. But you need to be able to listen to your shepherd and say, I'm going to receive that even though it doesn't make sense to me right now. But listen, if you will listen, it will make sense eventually. I promise you. And it will save you a lot of heartache and a lot of pain. Let me close with this. I know I'm not going to make you run the aisles. But you know, a pastor has obligations uh, just like perhaps sometimes a lawyer would where uh, we're not always at liberty to tell you why we know something because we would be betraying a confidence. We can't always tell you why we have knowledge or why we know you should be careful because then we would be telling you something and it would be unethical for us to tell you that. We can't always say that. It could put us in a bad light or put you in a bad light. 
And so sometimes when a pastor is telling you something that doesn't make sense, you need to trust that, that he's looking out for your soul, but he can't necessarily tell you everything that maybe he would even like to tell you. And that's where you have to say, yea, though I walk through the valley, he leadeth me beside still water. I'm being led. I know that's talking about the great shepherd, but an under-shepherd answers to the great shepherd. Did you know God's going to speak to you through his under-shepherd? Amen. If you, go to, if you go to World of Coke right now and you, you say, I, I want a word from the CEO. CEOs, he might talk to you, but most of the time he's going to talk to you through an emissary. Now, God will speak to you, but God will often speak to you through the man of God. And you need to be comfortable with that. He'll lead you, and it won't always make sense. I want us to stand as we close this morning, and I want us to say, Lord, guard us from shepherds, or guard us from wolves, guard us from the attack that comes from without and within. And this is important because I've seen more people destroyed from within than from without. And we have to guard our hearts and minds. Can we, can we ask the Lord to help us with that? Can we lift our hands? Lord, I pray you would guard every person under the sound of my voice from wolves. I pray that you would keep them. I pray that you would surround them, put a hedge of protection around them. Keep them, oh God, from all harm, from those that would come in and try to bring disunity and disrupt and cause confusion. Lord, I pray that you would keep us from that, Lord. Protect us from that, God. And I pray that we would walk in strength and authority and power. I pray that we would not be weary and well-doing. I pray that we wouldn't be discouraged, Lord, but that we would walk in confidence knowing that you are fighting our battles. We love you and we praise you today. And everyone said, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.